Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. All right, boys and girls, do you know what day it is? Today is a very special day. It is episode number 100. Woo! Just like the 100th day of school, this is our 100th episode. How exciting! Do you have your, um, like, the glasses that are 100 on? And are we going to do fun activities where we count 100 things like we did I've in school? I've got 100 pennies in front of me! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to drop that because that's a little creepy. Hi and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast, episode number 100. Oh my goodness, Matt. We made it to 100. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe it. And, and like we referenced a couple episodes ago, you know, if you include the Infinity Saga series, we're well over 100. But the fact that this is episode, from a Beers and Ears canon standpoint, episode 100, I, 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 I can't believe it. <laughs> I know that we just celebrated our one year anniversary and I know we just celebrated the one year anniversary because while we are recording this on the 13th of March, I am editing that episode to go out in a couple of days. So I'm like knee deep in the middle of it. But yeah, this is a pretty big milestone. Um, You know, when we first started the podcast, there's a lot of uh, material out there that basically says, you know, podcasts, there's a lot of podcasts that come and go. But, you know, the first giant milestone to get is to get to episode number 100. Um, I believe the the lady who who had interviewed us way back when for Podcast Magazine said that there were uh, several guest speakers that she knew of that would say, look, I'll be on your first episode or I'll be on your 100th episode, but nothing in between so that it gives you a motivation to stay that course. And so I think 100, that's a pretty darn big deal when you think about it and you think about all the content that's out there. I mean, when we first started this, I was a little worried because there was another podcast out there called Ears and Beers. And I was like, oh, goodness gracious, are we you know, infringing on their trade? And they haven't had an episode since we launched. So that's just an example of, of you know, the, the amount of content that's out there, especially for Disney podcasts. I like to think that we're a little bit different on our Disney podcast, that our Disney store background gives us some uh, different uh, perspectives. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that we have essentially now for an entire year for 100 episodes consistently been recording and editing and putting out content and uh, the listener base, you guys are probably like, man, is this just one big, long celebration? And and yes, it is. We're celebrating a lot. (laughs) We are celebrating Um, time. And so one of the things that um, has been kind of a, a, a trope, if you will, or something that we've been kind of uh, kind of been a big part of our, um, I guess you could say the last 100 episodes has been, uh, I have been trying to get Mr. Matthew Brown here on the other line to take part in a uh, introductory show that came out when Disney Plus debuted, and that was the Imagineering story. And it has been a years long endeavor trying to get him to watch this documentary. He's come up with every excuse in the book not to watch it. Uh, And yet here we are, 100 episodes in, and he's finally, finally, finally 
prepared to sit down and talk about this masterpiece, this six. Okay, hang on. I feel like I have to defend myself here. So um, <laughs> it, it was not necessarily a, I didn't want to watch it. There's, there's two big things. The one is very simple. My wife wanted to watch it mm-hmm. and we wanted to watch it together. And with two kids, the amount of time that the both of us have that we are awake that we can like sit down and watch shows together. Just it, it, it gets I, very chaotic. Hang on um, one second. You've only had two kids since July. So you can't, you can't use that for the whole March through July thing. And it's not like you could say where we're really busy. We were always working the whole time because let's be honest, we've been in a quarantine for a year. So yes, mm, ah, that, that moves in, that moves into my second one. And that is, I I like documentaries. I don't love them. Uh, you know, I have to be in the right kind of mood to want to watch a documentary. Now, I, I think this series very lends itself to once you get started, you don't I didn't feel the need to be in the mood anymore because the, the pacing of the story moved very well. But in general, I documentaries to me just I have to be in the right mood to want to take in information and 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 that's that's not a mood I am always in so those are my excuses you can call them valid or invalid but um but yes I finally sat down um I want to say my wife and I moved through it in in two or three months ago and we watched you know, all six episodes. It's not a long documentary. And, and so I could prepare for this 100th episode extravaganza. I think I pitched this like two to three months ago. I was like, all right, if I watch the Imagineering story, we're making this episode 100, right? No, this was longer than two or three months ago. You pitched this to me in the middle of the infinity saga series. When we got to hundred, you're like, we got to do something really big for a hundred. And we were like, what about if we actually did the Imagineering series? And here's the thing. I think you pitched it to me back during the Infinity Saga series back in September so you could actually have a little bit more time to watch it so I wasn't bugging you to watch it. That's what I think it was because we knew that the 100th would be right around the year-long celebration. So anyway, I'm glad you watched it, and and I'm just obviously joshing with you. Um, so what is the Imagineering story? So let's just kind of, for those of you who don't know what this is, so when Disney Plus debuted uh, back in November of 2019, a they simpler time. A simpler time pre-COVID. I mean, it had the word 19 in it, but nothing like COVID-19. Um, it debuted on November 12th, 2019. And it, it, much like Disney Plus has been doing with all of its really great shows, it debuted one episode at a time. It's a six-episode season. And it chronicles the Disney Imagineers from literally the start all the way through the opening or almost opening of um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It takes you right up to to the opening point of that. And everything in between, it takes you through basically these different eras in Disney Imagineering. And I, I just know, knowing Matt as well as I know Matt, that he would absolutely love this series. And I, I don't think I'm wrong, and I think we're going to get into some of this. And and it, it, what's nice about it is that it covers it in large enough swath swaths 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 i don't know how to say swaths. yeah you're right swaths. okay it covers it in large enough swaths that you really feel complete at the end of each episode but as you said matt it it lends itself to just wanting to continue on to the point that you could probably binge watch this thing from start to finish very easily and um it's it's pr- directed by leslie iwerks which is the granddaughter 
of Ub Iwerks, which we will talk about in a couple of moments. It's narrated by Angela Bassett. It has, I, I just looked at this, a hundred percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so, you know, there's some other areas that give it like a three out of five stars, mainly because, you know, it's Disney doing a documentary on Disney. So it's going to kind of, you know, whitewash some of the bad stuff, but I think it does a pretty good job of, of painting a pretty clear history of what, um, of what the Imagineering history is all about. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. If you're looking for a like a documentary that's going to do the dirt on Disney, Disney's not going to put that out. If that's what you thought th- this was going to be going in, then that's just foolish, in my opinion. Um, but but I also think that they don't totally gloss over everything that they did wrong or mistakes that were made. That they they point out that mm, this this decision wasn't co- quite correct or whatever. So I, mm-hmm. it it paces really well. I think that's what I like about it. It feels exciting um, for you know a documentary. The people that they get talking about it are are very interesting and passionate about what they talk about. Um, and I, I agree that I like each episode has kind of an era and that it it closes the book while still kind of leading on. Yeah, I remember when I was watching it very, you know, the very first time, because I've watched it a couple of times the first time, I remember thinking and feeling how much of an important part of history this particular documentary is going to play, because a number of the people that were interviewed, let's face it, they're getting up there in age, they're retired, they're, 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 you know, 10 more years, they may not have been able to get those interviews. I mean, as it stood, many of the people that they interviewed are no longer with us, they had to use archival interviews to kind of make their point and drill their point home. But I just remember thinking to myself, the, the imagineering part of the Walt Disney Company is such a unique arm of not just Walt Disney, but just of the world, really, we get some of the modern marvels that we have because of what the Imagineers have done. And this is just an important part of, of telling that story to a generation that frankly put, I don't necessarily know that, you know, unless you are a Diz nerd like you and I, and the people listening to this episode, these podcasts, Matt, you know, the general Disney layperson doesn't know what an Imagineer is. They just, they just, know mickey mouse they know disney world they they go down there and and they enjoy the rides and they come back up and they don't they don't get entrenched in the history like the 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 actual disney nerd fandom does You're, you're absolutely right you know the parks are what they are because of imagineering it's not just throwing a ride in there or throwing some cool experience or whether it be a character meet and greet or a restaurant like Imagineering is taking a ride and making it plussing it up to a point that it is so immersive and cool and makes you feel like you're a part of the story so and 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 even the setup of everything feels intentional and there's a purpose behind it and so it's not just uh, it doesn't just take an engineering mind that can say, all right, here's all the right pieces to put in. So the roller coaster goes like this, but it also can't just take a creative type that says, all right, we should do this loop de loop. That is physically impossible. Like it's this very unique meld of creativity and engineering and art artistry and set design that comes together and creates something that people flock to. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, as we start to kind of traverse into the different episodes, I think episode number one does a really good job at kind of painting the picture that you just talked about, which is (laughs) this is a group of people who had never done anything like this before. So, so to understand the history of Imagineering or what it was referred to at back then was wed enterprises, Walter Elias, Disney enterprises. You have to understand that, that Walt Roy did not want um, Roy was kind of the keeper of the finances and, and Roy, um, you know, he, he was so afraid that these adventures that Disney Walt was going out on of, of trying to, you know, build a theme park and, and, and stay away from the movie studio. Part of it was going to bankrupt the movie studio that Walt kind of created this own separate arm, this own separate company that didn't eventually, that eventually got merged back into the Walt Disney company, but that happened much, much later. No one had ever done this before. He took set producers, like you said, he took set designers. He took, you know, I I think one of the episodes, if it's episode one or two, I can't remember um, where they're talking about the Matterhorn. And yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and he Bob Gurr. yeah, he said Bob Gurr designed a car, like or no, it was for Autopia. I'm sorry, it was for Autopia, but I think it was still Gurr though. And he said, well, and design a car. It, You've never designed a car before, but design a car for the Autopia. Gurr also that he was the same thing with the Matterhorn. He's like design this roller coaster, and Bob yeah. Gurr was like, I didn't use trigonometry since high school, so he like had to reteach himself trigonometry in order to. Uh, in order to make this roller coaster. And and I think this is a, a thread throughout that I really, really like. And that I think is lost in modern day. Walt Disney would just walk into someone's office and say, do this. And he didn't ask, hey, do you have experience doing this? Hey, what's your, you know, can you show me a resume of of whether, you know, you could do this? Or he didn't try to hire people of like trying to do it. He had the people that he knew were hardworking and mm-hmm. could figure things out. And he said, all right, you're going to figure this out. I know you can do it. Yep. And I feel like that's lost in our world today. We have very little, uh, hey, you're talented. Go figure this out. I feel like we're always trying to strive for where's the expert. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that about early Disney that he was just like, here, you're going to design a ride. Go. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the whole, that was the whole philosophy behind Disneyland. He, nobody knew how to do what they were doing yet. They pulled, they think about, they pulled Disneyland off in a year. They, well, kind of, well, they, but they, yes, kind of, but they did. I mean, it opened, it opened to a disaster, but it opened. And then they got better at it, right? And that is the that is the story of Disney from start to finish. I mean, everything he's ever tried, he usually failed first and then moves on. And that and that that whole story continues into the Walt Disney Company of the present. There are times that they just screw up, and they, you know, what we screwed up, we learned from it, we're going to move on. And you know, Disney, I think, sometimes gets held to this very high standard because they very much should be. But it's it's important to remember that they don't always hit that mark every time. Sometimes they got to ramp up to get there, you know, well, and, and, I mean, and I think that's brilliant because that's what the Imagineering story is about. I mean, every every company makes mistakes like that's just natural. That's every person makes mistakes. That's going to happen. I, you know, I, I, I reference the hold on, though. Disney is not every company. That That's my point. Every company makes mistakes. Hundred percent. But people hold Disney to this impossible standard 
Disney can't make mistakes. That that that's the standard that they hold them to, but they do and they move on from them. I think that's the point is you and I understand Disney well enough to understand that mistakes are made. Mistakes happen. But the average Disney layperson looks at Disney and says, well, they're they're perfect. They can't make a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think that goes back to our discussions on on Disney fandom where you you talked about this where when you go to the parks, lower your expectations. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean expect to have a bad time but you can't go in expecting that people are just going to fawn over you and serve you um you you can expect high customer high you know high customer service and a great experience but people have way too high expectations of what they're going to get and i think that just translates to here i i i I think why maybe I'm having problem connecting with that and why I actually really enjoyed uh, a lot of hearing a lot of the mistakes like the opening of Disneyland where cement wasn't dry and ladies mm-hmm. heels were sinking in and, um, you know, stuff wasn't painted or like I, they I had I to like make hearing- the decision. They had to make the decision whether they were going to they were going to have running water for water or for the toilets. And since people had to do the toilets, they said install the toilets instead, like things like that. I just you blow your mind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love that because I have this realistic view of like, yeah, the Disney company is going to make mistakes. And, you know, I mean, one of one of the mistakes right now that I think is happening is the cancellation of the Disney Magical Express. Mm-hmm. But they might also in five years release something and I go, Oh, you know what? That makes sense. So, you know, I, I, while I can say, I think this is a mistake and disagree with something ultimately it, I, 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 they're going to learn from it. And I think Disney does that better than anyone. So getting back to the, the, the actual story itself and the, and the different parts, you know, one of the things that I think I'm struck by is the fact that, you know, Walt in terms of his, him being physically there is really only episode one. The other five episodes, while his vision and his ambition obviously drive the Imagineers, episode one is is Walt. It's the creation of Disneyland and eventually him turning towards the Florida project. But episode one ends with Walt dying. And and I I don't know about you, but I that 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 10 minutes of, of when they cover his death and everything that's going on and the way they lowered the flag and how they kept the, they kept the park open. And that's what Walt would want. I mean, that, that I bawled like a baby. I, every time I've watched it, I bawled like a baby because it, it, it's because he there, you know, he's such an iconic man, iconic legend in the history of legends of the world. Um, you, you, when you see how on a granular detailed level, on a person to person level that's affected people at, at Disneyland, it, it really makes you just go, wow. Yeah. The, the hearing the people that worked with him on a daily basis yep. was what well, I thought were, those were very powerful interviews. And even my, my wife at, at the end of that episode went, Oh, like, Oh, um, I didn't realize that was going to be the end of episode one. We have five more episodes and Walt Disney's not a part of any of them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, ironically, he's a part of everyone. Just not. Oh, of course. I mean, know? he's going to and, be a part of the Walt Disney company forever. I mean, his vision is still there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I he, and, and hearing people talk about what it was, how it was different around the workplace without him there. And that, that was just, that was, that was very powerful. There were a couple of points throughout, the entire series that got me that obviously was the big one. The first episode, the one where, where Bob Gurr is up in the basketball court and he's talking about all the signatures that are up there. 
and yeah. he gets asked, you know, is your signature up here? And he's like, no, you know, I never did that. I never thought to come up here and sign my name and to watch him sign his name. That choked me up too. That was, that was a moment of like, wow. I mean, this is the man who designed this iconic attraction signing yeah. his name, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you, do you want to go more general overview or do you want to kind of move through the episodes? Uh, you know what? Like I said to you offline, I, I mean, I, it's been a year since I've watched these. I'm kind of going off of what I remember and, you know, just looking at some notes and stuff. You know, if you want to I mean, you just kind of let's highlight some of your favorite parts overall. I found the Eisner era to be incredibly interesting mm-hmm. because Michael Eisner is the one that tends to get a lot of the credit for that Disney renaissance. And, and it's well-deserved. But it was interesting that Frank Wells, the, you know, the partner, um, he was a very integral part of all that. And when he died, that kind of that's when that renaissance started to fade. And Eisner made some decisions that were questionable. And and I found that era interesting and and that, you know, you think, oh, Eisner, here we go, where it's going to be a pro, like, look how great Eisner did. And and you kind of do realize, wait, why did that end? And you kind of see why that renaissance ended uh the the other thing that i found really really interesting sorry i'm I'm jumping around a little bit was when you know they're building epcot in florida mm-hmm. and at the same time the japanese are calling disney saying we want to park we want to park we want to park and essentially the ceo says okay they're not leaving us alone let's just make them an, a ridiculous offer like that we get all the profits or you know something absolutely ridiculous and <laughs> yep. that they'll never accept and and they ended up saying sounds good to us okay when do we start and they were like oh shoot <laughs> right seriously well and, and it is it is interesting to see you know that whole that whole what would Walt do episode you know after they're done designing the magic kingdom and of course Roy dies, they're out of pretty much any momentum that, that Walt would have had at that point. And so they do turn their attention to Epcot, Epcot. They made some strategic decisions, which many could say kind of doomed the park for a while. One of the biggest of which was to not put any Disney IP in there for a while, but yet at the same time, the, 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 gender i'd say the much more hardcore disney fans started to come to appreciate epcot for what it was but like you said then they turned to tokyo disney with all these they, they, they i think what i found really interesting i don't know if it was that episode of the episode after the fact was up until that point they had documented nothing like everything was just done on the fly disneyland was done on the fly walt disney world was kind of done on the fly it wasn't really till they got to tokyo disneyland that they started having to document what they were doing so they could legit charge for it you know like that like that i found that part really interesting that all this stuff was happening on the flight because again back to what we had talked about (laughs) no one had ever done this before right um but back to the eisner point um that was the other point that i think got me choked up was when they cover the frank wells um uh airplane or airplane or helicopter accident i can't remember which one it is when he passes away and um you know obviously i was only five years old or four years old when that happened so i wouldn't have known what was going on but um i i've heard a lot about it that there's there's a lot of disney fans out there in fandom that have the well what if what if frank wells had stuck around what what would the disney of that era look like now would some of these other decisions that were made like animal kingdom tokyo disney sea disney cruise line um you know in some of the 
that had stuff, the Disney's California Adventure, the Walt Disney Studios, and uh, would, would they still be around? Would they look different? Um, would the movies look different? There's a lot of stuff um, that, you know, people think if Frank Wells, the creative arm of that duo was still around, what would it be? Yeah, it, but you also then <clears throat> can extrapolate it even further and say, but would then the Disney company be what it was today because are there certain things that would happen that like Frozen wouldn't happen then or uh, Tangled wouldn't happen again? or Like, like there's all these what ifs, but I agree mm-hmm. that is an interesting like, oh, man, what you know, what if what if that had um, that had happened? And even you know, to, to go back, what if Walt had been alive for another 30 years? Mm-hmm what what would the florida parks have looked like that would epcot have been what he wanted which yeah. was an actual community um instead of a, you know a, more, another theme park like that that's another in my mind fascinating like ooh what if mm-hmm. um so I, it, that that was there's a lot of what ifs in this series of like you kind of think and go man what what would the disney company be if this happened yeah. You know, I think part of it too, with, with, um, with Eisner, you know, Eisner, you had said earlier that Eisner gets a lot of credit, but in the same regard, Eisner also, I mean, he was fired. I mean, more or less he was fired or forced to step down, um, over, he, he put a lot of focus into the imaginary division, but some of the other starts stuff of the Walt Disney company struggled like, the um the the animation division it wasn't really until again the renaissance that you know it all started to come back together and eisner says all right let's figure this out we're going to make the 1990s the disney decade and i think what i liked about this particular documentary is that eisner gets a chance to come back and, and he's interviewed which is if i don't recall is one of the first times he's actually sat down in an interview since he left the company um, and he was trying to get it. He got a chance to redeem himself a little bit, which I thought was really well done and, and, and gracious on Disney's part too. Um, and I think a lot of that yeah. was Iger. I think a lot of that was Iger because Iger and, and Eisner had a pretty good well, relationship. I mean, he's the one who basically groomed Iger. Well, and that is another thing that I, I, I know some people are critical of Iger because he is very IP driven, but that's a criticism that I don't understand because I think that that is his greatest accomplishment, that he realized that people l- gravitate towards intellectual property. And that was kind of what marked his tenure uh, as the CEO of Disney yep. is, you know, he acquires Marvel, he acquires Star Wars, he infuses Pixar. more IP. Pixar, too. I mean, he acquired Pixar. Yeah, oh, yeah. Pixar, Pixar. Um, he infuses more of that into the parks and that really has paid off very, very well for the Walt Disney company. Well, I and, think let's be honest, if, if he had not, I mean, this year, be it a once in a generation, you know, pandemic level event, had he not done what he did, had he not made some investments in other IP like Marvel, like Star Wars, like Pixar, like the Muppets, um, had he not made, you know, not made the investment in Disney Plus, I don't necessarily know if Disney would have survived this year, Matt. I really don't. I think Disney Plus um, buoyed them enough with, and 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 I also think the the profit they made from 
the Marvel universe, from the Star Wars universe, I think that buoyed them through this. Because had it been only parks driven, they would have gone under this year. I, I really believe that. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd, I'd go that far. I still think Disney had, and I think Iger, even if he would not had had the Marvel and Star Wars properties, would have leveraged the IP well that he did have. Um, because it hasn't just been Marvel and Star Wars. He's very much leveraged other IPs. Like, but again, that's another interesting what if. But like, like what, what, saying, what but if like, Disney did not have Marvel and Star Wars? Marvel, Star Wars, Fox, Pixar, Muppets. If none of that stuff existed, what does Disney have? Disney. That's it. Yeah, but I think it, it you you'd also have then a totally different company in terms of like I mean, obviously, Galaxy's Edge would not exist in any of the parks. Toy yes. Story Land wouldn't exist in any of the parks. Like, th- there'd be a lot that would be different mm-hmm. that Disney would not have spent as much money on. So, I, I don't know. Like, that that's another interesting what if. It is. It absolutely is. Were there any parts of the of the documentary series that were slow for you that you found and eh, not so much interesting? Honestly, no. I mean, I I maybe haven't said this. Like, I loved this series, yeah. And and because it it did all of the things well of why I usually don't like documentaries, which is documentaries have boring parts in them where so you just kind of like, oh, okay, yep, yep, all right, yep, just move through this, get to the exciting part, come on. Whereas this, I felt like every segment they had, they never dwelled on something too long. So when they focused in on an attraction or focused in on a person or focused in on this, they didn't belabor it to a point where I felt like, okay, let's move on. But they gave enough information that I felt like it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And it just, it paces really well. Each episode is very engaging. You're not looking at your watch. You're not checking your phone. It's very much a, I am interested in what's going on. I can keep up with this. I can, I'm interested in this. And so I, I really, there, there was not anything that didn't land for me. Was there any parts for you? No, I, I will say the part, the, the, the thing that I think, probably I did not like the most is, and it's going to sound really, really cheesy to say this is the fact that it ended. And and, and I hate to say it like that because they're not going to be able to produce another episode for a pretty decent amount of time. I mean, they're caught right up at this point. I mean, they, they, they got um, other than some of the newer stuff, like the Tron coaster, which I think they even reference in this, but the Tron coaster, the gardens of the galaxy roller coaster, um, you know, a couple of other things that they're doing in Epcot for the most part, it's going to be a little bit of time before and if they do grow this particular series, it's going to be very slow one episode at a time every couple of years. And I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the, the show so much. I mean, I, this is the show. I watched it as it came out. And then when we went to our trip last year, I, I put it on for the plane ride there. I put it on the, in the morning of like I was watching it as I was going to the parks because it's one of those things that you can have in the background and you can catch little relevant details that maybe you missed before um i'll also add that there was footage that you had never seen before in this which oh, i think yeah. is good a lot of times you know when you're a dis nerd like we are you see the same stock images you see the same stock video you know the same old stories you want like you know a lot of this stuff this was hardcore for the casey woolies the matt browns the lou mangellos of the world the people who know disney lore like the back of their hand but also really accessible for someone who doesn't 
have Mm -hmm. that Disney, you know, hardcore Disney background, a very accessible series where you're not sitting there going, wait, what's that? I don't understand that. Um, Like you can still understand it. Um, I I agree with you that that, you know, it's going to be tough to put all their episodes. But I also think that they very easily could. Maybe this isn't the imagineering story, but I would love them to do shorts, whether it's even 15 minute episodes of talking with Imagineers of what they're working on. I think that yeah. would be fascinating. You know, pull back the curtain a little bit and say, all right, we, there's always going to be some type of project going on, whether it is, you know, redoing a a uh, a hotel lobby or redoing a ride or tweaking this or tweaking that. That's the kind of stuff that, again, this is maybe more for hardcore fans, but that's what I want to see. I want to see the purpose behind why why this needs a touch up and why you're going with this i want to hear the development of the 50th anniversary colors and castle mm-hmm. i want to i want to i don't need a full like six episode arc on that but 15 to 20 minutes on how you know hearing some people talk about how they chose that that sounds interesting so matt i don't know if you remember this or not but a couple years ago the last couple of years there's actually been a couple of specials on abc called uh, decorating Disney and it's been centered around holidays and Halloween, like the holiday magic and Halloween magic and how they pull off that whole process. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. This is exactly what I think the Imagineering story could become is these yeah. every so often specials that you just, um, you know, get a look at, I don't, it's a ride, a parade, an experience, a something. I, I think this is how you could transition the Imagineering story into something more mainstream because yeah. unfortunately they you've told the history. So it's, it'd be really weird to like just rehash the history again, but I'd love to hear more about what they're doing and maybe even some more focused in on certain attractions. Yeah. When you think about that, that, that history or that point we were talking about earlier with Bob Gurr in the Matterhorn, right. And where he signed his name for the first time after all those people who had ever worked, worked at the Matterhorn, they got to sign it. So think about that, how moving that part was. Um, Think about er uh, earlier, uh, several episodes back when we had your friend, I think it was Emily on for the Haunted Mansion. Was it Emily or was it um, Kaylee? Kaylee. So when Kaylee was, I always get that messed up. When Kaylee was on, remember when she told that really cool story about um, the cast member who had passed away and how her picture is underneath that plate as a remembrance to her or the story about having to pet the crow or the ride acts up those little things about the everyday people who built the ride and who use the ride and, and show us even how it, how it functions. That could be a really cool um, way to continue that imaginary story because a lot of people don't realize Imagineering builds the attraction or the ride or the entertainment or the experience. And then they hand it off to parks and experience. I would love to learn more about how that whole transition happens. And I mean, it just would be so for the Diz nerd in all of us. I think that Disney could carry that forward. And I think it, that there's a market for that. Cause not just Disney people would be interested in that, but if you're an engineering person or if you're, um, you know, just in general, a behind the scenes, I want to know how they do it. That could really be, even if you're not a Disney person, I think there are people that could get something out of that to kind of, pull back the curtain on that Disney 
pull back the curtain of how Disney does it. And I think that'd be, that'd be really interesting. I think this sounds exactly what Disney should do with this. Cause I, I, I my fear is that they're just gonna have this great six episode arc yeah. and then that's it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. And you know, for the longest time, Disney was so protective about revealing that behind the scenes, you know, and, and even when we worked at the Disney store, there's the, the onstage magic and then there's behind the stage and behind the scenes. And you're, you don't ever, you don't ever reveal backstage. I mean, if people saw the backstage of a Disney store, they would laugh like at, at, at how unmagical it is. <laughs> Folks, nothing exciting is happening. It is all no. boring business emails and it really it's, it's really boring. I mean, our, our break, our break area was literally a shelf carved out where all the other stuff was around us. And it was this metal shelf that was bent in the middle. Like it's not magical. And by the way, <laughs> I will say that is not just the Disney store. I have heard stories about like backstage areas um, at Walt Disney world. In fact, when I still was a cast member last year, I, I got to experience the backstage area um, for cast members in Hollywood studios, which is right behind that little Disney junior area. I was able to walk back there. I had my ID and, and it looks like a cafeteria. I mean, it literally is a cafeteria back there. There's a subway. It's like a hospital cafeteria with a subway built into it. It's, it's the craziest thing in the world. And so I sat down, I had my subway and, and I, I was going to bring Nate his subway because I bought a, a six inch sandwich for him, but I had to put it into a Disney bag because you're not allowed to bring the subway on stage. Just like you're not allowed to do those things. You're not allowed to have your cell phone on stage and stuff. So what I was getting at, though, is that Disney has been so protective about that on stage, what happens on stage that even just a little bit of sneaking behind is enough to intrigue that Disney fan. And I think hundred percent. The Imagineering story could very well just could be that. So I got to say, I'm so happy you finally watched. I mean, I, I am too. I, I knew I was going to like it. Like it, it was one of those things where it, I didn't go into being like, oh, I'm going to hate this big, mean old Casey's making me watch something. Um, you know, I didn't think I was going to not going to like it, but it just, you know, as, for the reasons I said before, it just it just took me a little bit longer than mm-hmm. Uh, than most, but I am so glad that, that I did. I mean, it's, if you have not watched it and even if it's been a while since you've watched it, highly recommend that's one of those, just throw it on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if, especially if you're missing the parks or yeah. maybe if you're not missing the parks, it'll make you miss the parks more. Um, no, but, I, miss, um, I know I'm missing um, the parks right now, man. I will tell you. Oh yeah, goodness. Yeah. Well, so, and, um, any, anything else on this hundredth episode extravaganza? No, I was going to say 100 episodes. Um, this is the start of our new weekly format. So you have had a chance to experience today us today for this week. There will be no episode on Friday for the first time in Disney uh, Beers and Ears history. So this is uh, kind of a new experience. But we appreciate you guys sticking with us. I think we, we've had a great great run of celebrations the last couple episodes from the anniversary episode to WandaVision to this. Um, next week, we actually have our next Diz Games listener challenge uh, where our friend of the pod, Amy Birchman, is going to be coming on uh, to do uh, a challenge with us to see if she can beat us. So uh, Eric was successful at beating us. Danielle was not. So we're one and one right now, Matt. Uh, in fact, you won the one against Danielle, 
I believe. I I, so, I was feeling I, w- I came in prepared for that one. Well, I think we're going to have our um, I think we're going to have a challenge ahead of us because Amy is like the Disney knowledge queen. So I'm a little nervous about uh, a little nervous about how that's going to go. So um, <laughs> but anyway, it is closing time. Matt, how do our listeners get a hold of us? You can send us an email, beersandears1928 at gmail.com, Facebook Beers and Ears Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at beersears1928. If on Friday um, you are like, oh man, I'm really missing uh, hearing Casey and Matt, we have 100 plus episodes that you can go back and relive the wonders of the last year. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, as Casey said, we are back to, we are going to once a week. So uh, Nick, we'll see you on next Tuesday. Please remember to rate and review us and subscribe to the pod. Uh, it really does help us out. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting anything else. No, I, I feel good. like after 100 you're episodes, good. I should be like, like this should be good. But I'm I always like, that, I'm able something? to do that on autopilot, man. I don't know what your problem is, seriously. So, all right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everyone. <laughs>